welcome. This is an awesome podcast. This yeah. is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> to the Jeff. It's a lot of whiskey, Jeff. Macalino. Jeff Macalino. 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 Podcast. All right, let's rock and roll. I'm going to make this as quick as I can because this old brain has to memorize a movie script. Oh, when I was a kid, I was so much better at memorizing lines when I had a play or something. Now I'm 36 and my brain is mush. And by the way, this is even after a, a decently long stint of not drinking alcohol. So <clears throat> the memory is just not what it used to be. But I'll get the lines down. Uh, <laughs> welcome to a great episode and uh, it's so great make sure you go and vote uh, this podcast for best of the bay 2023 thank you very much links below um, this episode is with uh, this this one is really interesting and uh, it, it for many reasons uh, I'm, I'm speaking in this episode with pepper Ann. she is a uh, seventh generation texan Seventh generation Texan. Yeah, I said that right. Uh, she wrote the book, The Notorious Texas Swindler, the mastermind behind the Grayson County Five. Um, some of you may know the backstory of this, or at least some of it, uh, without even having read the book. Um, my uh, The Dads and Drinks show, uh, I, I talked to Jeremiah Hensley, my, my co-host on that show, and uh, we were talking before we recorded an episode, and I mentioned uh, that I, you know, what I was just talking about, and he knew all about it because I guess it's you know one of those things in in the true crime genre that uh, people know about. And I'm kind of surprised more people don't know about it, including myself. I didn't know a thing about it until I was preparing to speak with uh, Pepper. So. That all being said, uh, this is a, a kind of a crazy story about a prison escape that happened back in 2001, uh, a little bit after 9-11. We do touch on that. Um, and uh, one of these five inmates who escaped is related to Pepper. So I won't spoil much more because I think, you know, we kind of cover a good amount in this uh chat that we had so hope you enjoy it check out her book it is a page turner uh and ironically she you know she's nominated for an award i think it's called the page turner <laughs> award so go go figure huh uh so check it out um yeah i i uh i don't recommend books lightly folks so you know me and words and reading uh <laughs> All right, let's jump on in to the episode. But first, let me tell you about today's sponsor, my good friends over at Xsense. They're an innovative company providing home safety products, including cutting-edge smoke detectors, carbon monoxide alarms, and other smart home security systems designed to keep you and your loved ones safe 24-7. Let me tell you about this new product. They've got the Wi-Fi Listener for smoke and carbon monoxide detectors. This product can make all Underwriters Laboratories listed alarm brands, including standalone wireless, blah, 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 
all of them, online. So when it triggers, the base station sounds and people receive an app notification. So if people don't want to replace their old smoke or carbon monoxide detectors with a new one, but still want to receive app notifications, this is the product for them. There is a 15% coupon code that's in the show notes. Uh, if you go and purchase this item on Amazon, it's B-I-N-L-I-S-N-S. That's in the show notes. Additionally, there will always be other discounts available on the Amazon page of this product this month. So that means the total combined discount is greater than 30%. Just makes sense. Uh, check it out. The link to this product, the uh, Wi-Fi listener, uh, is in the show notes, as well as the coupon code. Protect what matters most with Xsense. Hey, folks, you know I talk about mental health on this podcast a lot. Uh, with my own struggles, uh, a lot of times I talk to guests about their struggles, and uh, that being said, I uh, want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether that's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. More scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. As a bonus, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Macalino. That's BetterHelp.com slash M-A-C-O-L-I-N-O. All right, everybody, I am very pleased to welcome Pepper Ann to the Jeff Macalino podcast. How are you this evening? Hey, I'm doing great, and thank you for having me. I'm really excited about being here. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to uh, to have you um, and uh, diving into uh, into your book. And uh, I guess we we won't waste we won't waste time because I, I don't I don't often read books to be quite honest so uh the fact that i started reading your book and i'm like oh i need to stop reading it so i could go talk to the author i was it was actually like a weird uh it was it was a different uh moments for me from the norm that's awesome you know what i'm taking that as a compliment because if it's one of those books that it's you you're not ready to put it down i'm taking it as a compliment whether you like it or hate it i'm i'm happy to hear that thank you <laughs> no yeah yeah it is it is definitely a compliment because i i even paused my tv because i you know it was distracting me from reading so <laughs> takes awesome. a lot to get the tv off <laughs> <laughs> all 
awesome. I've been there. Yeah, get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm so used to most everything I do when I'm you know sitting whether I'm I'm writing. I, I mean, I I'll write a, a movie screenplay and I'll have the TV on and it's you know it's just background noise. Um, you know, if they happen to say something that catches my attention, I'll be like, oh, okay, something I'm interested in. But no, this was something I'm like, no, nope, I'm committing my full energy to this because it's, I mean, it starts off and it's, it's very strange. So we'll, we'll, we'll dive in um, the book, by the way, the notorious Texas swind swindler. Uh, um, it starts off pretty much throwing you into a part of the story that I'm almost surprised I was not familiar with, um, meaning the the jailbreak, the the fact that these people were on the and this was 2001, correct? It was. It was in 2000, October 2001. Yes. Which mm -hmm. it, it I, I now saying this shows shows how old I'm getting to myself, but that was not that long ago. Like, uh, no. like to me, I'm like jailbreaks. <laughs> well, yeah, like, you know, Shawshank Redemption, right? It happened yeah. in the what fifties or whatever, you know, you're yeah. thinking like it had to be almost a century ago. It was, it was after nine 11, right? It was October it was. 2001. Yeah. It, so it was, yeah. Cause nine 11, it was September 11th. Yeah. You're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And I, now that I'm, I'm saying that out loud, I wonder if maybe that's the reason I'd never heard about this story before maybe you know it's very possible because it was it was almost almost a month to the day that um 9-11 happened when the jailbreak occurred and I didn't realize that until now so that may very well be why um you might not have heard it, or you may not, if you've heard it, you may not remember it because there, there were other events taking place that were <laughs> far bigger than that. <laughs> right, right. I'm sure, uh, uh, you know, in Texas, I'm sure it, it was more of a, you know, people were aware of the story probably more than, you know, a, a high school freshman in Florida who, <laughs> yeah, what? Well, yeah, yeah, I was probably even if I did hear about it, it was probably like, all right, we've got other things going on. <laughs> well, you know, when it happened, because I I didn't know that I was related to Bob. He's the one the story is about. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when it happened, I didn't hear about it. I wasn't paying attention because I was more focused on what was going on with the events at 9-11. And I think it 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 shook the country so much that that was what we were focused on for, you know, I mean, that's understandable. So when I read about the, when I read about this jailbreak, I was like, well, I don't remember that. Um, so I'm like you and, and I'm related to the character the story's about. So that's probably even more bizarre to hear that from someone in Texas related to him, but it's, it's what happened, you know? Yeah. And when so Bob Leach uh, was kind of and it was five people who broke out of prison. Mm -hmm. Right. And then mm -hmm. uh, he was one of the last two standing. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> last two free escapees uh, from custody. Um, when, when did you find out you were related to you were cousins with Bob? Uh, like, how did that did, did you 
find out you were related to him and then find out the story or how did that work out timeline wise my family god bless them they're i love them but <laughs> we usually don't hear about things unless it's at funerals or family reunions and i first heard about bob when uh or the first time i paid attention i'm sure he was mentioned through several other events but uh, when my grandpa passed away uh, my grandpa riley but I, I put him in the book um and that's my grandpa um i found out at his funeral my mom had told me see my mom and Bob's dad or cousins because my grandpa and Bob's grandpa were brothers but some of the family on the side didn't know about Bob we didn't know really about the younger generation I'm talking about we didn't know about his grandpa and I don't know they probably didn't know about ours because his grandpa had left so we didn't we didn't know about him but I first heard about him at a funeral and then once I did, I did a little research and then I reached out to him and I said, hey, you and I are related. Here's a story. Uh, now I want to write yours. Kind of how it happened. And uh, Bob is, uh, obviously, I haven't gotten to the end of the, the book. Uh, he's still alive and well in jail, I, I, I assume. Correct? Yeah. Yes, yes, he is in he's in prison. He's in uh, he's in Texas, um, and he's serving multiple life sentences. And he's still alive and still functioning. And he's yeah. And he's I don't know why. So when I'm I'm reading the 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 very first chapter of the book detailing, you know this this these guys who have escaped, and it's probably because of Hollywood. I'm envisioning this guy is like a, a grizzled like older man he was only doing the math because if i if i remember reading it right i think he was 18 in 1980 so he would have only been 38 39 years old right when yeah, so he wasn't right. an old man when he broke out he was still <laughs> i i don't know why in my head i i blame hollywood i'm when i'm reading the first chapter originally i'm vi visualizing like someone my dad's age you know like 60 65 like breaking out of jail. well yeah because you know what we don't hear about this anymore I mean, this stuff doesn't happen so this is stuff that you you think about you relate it to the, the 1800s or maybe the early 1900s nobody's gonna think a 39 year old man is doing everything he's done and he broke out of jail twice this happened to be the second time he broke out um so <laughs> uh yeah and nobody is gonna think somebody that young is going to be doing this but they did yeah was he the mastermind the the first time he broke out was it just him or was it also a group um so the first time okay let me back up here so the the reason i wrote the book i wanted to tell it from family perspective i wanted to tell the actual events and i wanted to tell bob's story the way that it actually happened, no matter what he says, <laughs> you know, um, I, I wanted to do that and it was important. Now, um, I also wanted to expose individuals who were involved in crimes with him. Um, right. when he was doing this. And so what I did when I wrote about the first jailbreak, when he escaped someone in this group 
of people that I exposed had brought in a saw blade for him to saw himself out. And he did, and it happened. It was an old jail. And once he did, that individual picked him up and he was, he was charged with facilitating an escape. His charges were dropped. And the reason that the individual did this is because they wanted Bob to run drugs for them. So Bob broke out, but he had help doing it. And he was the only one that escaped the Callahan County Jail. Yeah. And then the, so, so I guess that time he didn't need to do a whole lot of thinking. He kind of had it set up for him. Yeah. Um, the second go round was more complex getting out, uh, crawling through air ducts and underground and stuff like that, I believe. Um, was he the mastermind of that plan or was he just kind of a, along? He was a mastermind and I'll tell you why he did it. Um, the reason he wanted to escape the jail, it wasn't, it wasn't to go around and, and <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. The reason that he escaped the jail is because he wanted to get revenge on the people who um, had got away with the crimes alongside him. And he went to the individual's homes. He went to his ex-wife's home. Uh, she was staying at her parents. He went to other individuals who were also involved in the crimes, but they weren't home. Or if they were, there was proof that they didn't answer the door. They were yelling at him. There were witnesses. And when all of that fell apart, didn't have any other option but to keep going. And so that's when he and the other um, other fugitives, the four other fugitives took off. And then that's when they things just went haywire. And then he, it just went from there. Um, he'd had a plan, but his plan didn't work out because the people he wanted to confront weren't, weren't home. And they knew about the jail escape. They helped them escape jail. So... <laughs> The, the um uh and, and I'm sure this is detailed in the book or I'm guessing it might be um but again this is part of this was laid out the the first three people were captured before uh Bob and uh uh Gant was that the the other guy um yes. uh did they split up is that how the other three got caught before yeah. or was it so so what happened was the um two of the three had given up they were they were done it it went things were getting were getting a little too were getting a little too violent maybe i don't know what for whatever reason they wanted out. they wanted to they wanted to turn themselves in so they did um the third one was found um a little later but i think I think what happened, um, and I've been asked this question many times, I think Bob and Gant, when they were, when they were on the run, Bob was trying to get away from Gant because he was so violent. Now, make no mistake about it, Bob was just as violent, but at the very end of the shootout, there was just something there with that family, with the foresters, and I think they reminded Bob of family, and I know that may sound crazy, but he was ready to give up. He was ready for it to end the whole thing. So he still what? had a little gumption, but by the time he got to that shootout, he was ready for it to end. Uh, and I, I hesitate to ask this because part of it is I don't want to spoil the book for myself. 
Uh, but uh, why was there a reason that he Gant was one of the people who Bob broke out of prison or out of jail with? Because it seems like, and now maybe I know he was drunk. Uh, maybe he was just a bad drunk, and uh, I'm Gant was maybe just a. That's maybe what set him off. He seems like a crazy person and a, a someone who you probably wouldn't want with you if you're trying to run from, you know. So when Bob was in Grayson County, he was trying to get a group of them to break him out. He didn't know these people from Adam. He didn't know anything about him. Um, he was just trying to get out. And so in the end, when... Gant and Gant turned. Gant was very, <laughs> I want to say he was crazy. So was Bob for doing what he did. I mean, they all were, but Gant was, was very, um, he, he was, he was very, um, dangerous at times. And Bob was trying to get away from that. I don't think that he, um, he wasn't, he wasn't what, I don't know how to say this without sounding. Um, he was more volatile, maybe, than what Bob expected him to be. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I, 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 he was trying to break out. So his his goal was to find guys that he could convince to do that. And once they did, he didn't know how they were going to act. And he, but he didn't act any better, you know? I mean... Well, it, it's it, it, part of it. I, I, as weird as this thought, not that I've ever been to jail, but I, you know, the way someone acts in jail and the way they act when they're out of jail on the run might be quite different. I, I would think. And then also, I presumably in jail, although I'm, you know, I'm sure people, prisoners can, can get alcohol. Uh, presumably, you don't know how good of a drunk. <laughs> you know, yeah. there there are some people who are good drunks and there are some people who are bad drunks. So maybe, that, I mean, that could have been part of it, too, is he just got a lot more violent and crazy when he was sipping on the whiskey. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but there were some times when he wasn't drinking and, and he was still just as violent. So I think from what I gathered from interviewing people and, and just kind of reading a file, about Gant because he had a, you know, he, he had gotten in trouble when he was younger and he grew up in, in, um, uh, I want to say foster care. He went to a children's home, you know, mm. for the kids when they get in trouble. Um, and, and so when he got to that point, he was ready to die. That's mm. what, that's what he even said, Gant not Bob. <laughs> so he right. would have taken anybody out if law enforcement hadn't have got gathers and tell him what he would have. Um, he, you know, they caused a lot of terror. They, they both did. Uh, all of them, all of them did. Um, but Bob and Gant really did at the end. And that, that also just is, that that goes back to kind of my original thing it's so crazy that it was not maybe a bigger again i guess because of when it happened but 
again, you think like someone, people going home to home, terrorizing people, holding hostages, basically at the end. Um, in the modern day, I mean, it is, it, you know, it wasn't that long ago. You you think, oh, yeah, I guess that could have happened back in the, the wild, wild west. And it would have been like, ah, of course. Um, but this was like, you know, I'm just thinking that this would be such a huge story if it happened, I would think. Um, well, yeah, so so it, it was it, it did make national news. Right. It did make national news. Yeah. And and it was all over. In fact, it was <laughs> uh, there are articles in Germany and Britain and all of that about this, about these events that happened. Um, it was in the New York. Uh, New York Post, I believe, and all over California. I mean, all over. But like you said, it happened right around the time as 9-11. And so I think that everyone was so focused on 9-11 because of how it affected our country that, you know, it kind of got forgotten. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, mm -hmm. it, it's interesting because Again, I think if this happened almost any other time in, you know, this, you know, since the turn of the century, it would have been, and not, you know, I mean, not Charles Manson level type stuff, but yeah. it, it, it would be like, oh, remember those guys, this is why you lock your doors, this is why you're... That's why you're worried about people. Because I, I feel like jailbreaks are such, to me, and maybe I'm naive to it, are so, like, if that doesn't happen. Yeah. That That's well, just kind of the thing in my head. It, well, yeah, and that's in most anyone's head because you're not expecting someone to escape a jail. You know, you, you hear about very rarely do you, but, but you hear about them seldomly. Uh, prison breaks. There was once and there was somewhere up in New York um, a, a while back, a couple of years ago. You remember one of the female guards? Did you hear the story about Yeah, that? yeah. Okay. So, she was in love with the guy or something, right? God bless them all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so here's the thing. That <laughs> when, <laughs> when it happens, it's so big and huge because you don't about it very often. Um, I will say this: when I was interviewing, everybody in Grayson County was amazing. Deputies, Sheriff Gary, um, all of them. They were uh, everyone on the SWAT team. They talked to me, and I was very open with them about who I am. You know, I'm related to Bob. I want to tell the story, and they worked with me. They were amazing, and, and they didn't have the setup that they do now. They weren't expecting this to happen because it was 2001. I mean, why is somebody going to do that? You know, who's going to have the guts to do it? I mean, we're talking back in the day of Bonnie and Clyde, then, you know, you would have had that, but they're not thinking that's going to happen in today's world. And most of the time it doesn't, and, but it won't happen again. I can assure you that Grayson County is prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, I, and I guess that's that's probably was a wake up call to a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of places across the country. Like, hey, you know, we're you know, this could still happen. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. It's a yeah. bizarre thing. Um, now he he was Bob had from from the little bits and pieces I've gotten so far, seems like he's had and I don't want to I don't want to let him off the hook, which I I don't think you do either for but you know, he was approached by a state trooper at, at 18 years old to basically start doing some illegal shit. <laughs> um, then his wife, um, I haven't really gotten deep into this as far as in the book, but his wife was doing stuff um, as well. Did he even know she was doing that? No. So what happened was when Bob got in trouble with a DPS state trooper, uh, and, and and let me back up just a hair, the DPS state trooper was involved with crimes from the 70s because he was stealing um, equipment such as tractors and trailers and things. And he and other deputies in law enforcement were carrying them across the border. They were stealing them and getting money. So that's Kubiak, right? It. Kubiak, uh-huh, yeah, that's right. So he approached Bob, and when it all went down, there were some individuals who helped to pay Bob's bonds to keep him from going to prison. It was his first stint. Those individuals that paid his bonds are the individuals that I'm exposing, and they are the ones that knew Bob's wife. Uh, Bob had, hadn't met her until he went to prison the first time. Mm. And then um, that's when he met her. And then she got him. I had correspondence that Bob sent to family uh, during that time um, that he was saying he wanted to get away from that lifestyle. Now, I don't know if he would have, but he didn't have a chance because she came right in. And the reason that these individuals um, were always around Bob, they wouldn't let him go, is because they they paid quite a bit of money for the bonds to get him out. And he was just tied in with them with stuff that they didn't want anyone knowing. So they sent her. He didn't know anything about her. I mean, he didn't know her life of crime. And once he got out, that's when he learned more about her. And that's when it all went to hell even more. <laughs> well, and and it's it's got to be hard for someone who basically, you know, his adult life started with, making an illegal deal with with the police right mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. you know a after going going to jail and you know even being bonded out what you know staying on that side of the law is a lot easier than trying to especially given who he was tied in with it's not you know it's not like he was dealing drugs and, and you can just be like ah i'm leaving these drug dealers you know aside he, he's dealing with police he's dealing with the law who who's breaking the law so it's a little harder to distance yourself from them um so that's where it's like uh, you know what part of me is like well what choice did this guy have and i you know and i'm sure you've had that question uh, and maybe it's, I mean, uh, you've talked with Bob a lot. Is that something he 
does he try to say I had no choice? This was just the hand I was dealt. Does he take again? I, I I'm finding it hard to put responsibility on him as much as I'm like, well, I don't want to let him off the hook, but what was he supposed to do? You know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say this. Um, when you get to the end of the book, there, there's a married couple, Vincent and Irma. They were the, they were the couple that uh, Bob and Gant held hostage in their home during the shootout. And Vincent used to always tell me, he'd say, don't be so hard on don't be so hard on him. Um, we would have conversations. And I told Vincent, I said, Vincent, if I'm going to get through to him, I have to be rough. I have to be hard with him. He has to know what he's done. And he knew better than to do all this. But I really blame Bob's wearing the way he was raised because neither of his parents uh, stepped up. Um, Bob had gotten tied up with a trooper and he's told me several times and I know it's true you know he couldn't get away from him and then when he finally did he got tied in with these other people who were brought into his life and he couldn't get away from them either so I don't think that Bob could have got out of it if he wanted to there are times when I think that he wanted to when he was younger the older he gets, he's been in it so long. Yeah. But that's all he knows, you know? Um, I, I think if he had had a different rearing, I think he might have had a chance to turn out a little differently. Yeah. It, it, the childhood, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I haven't I haven't read the whole thing, and I don't want to, to spoil it for myself, and I don't want to spoil it for people who hopefully buy this buy this book as well. But yeah, the the only I, where I am in it is almost like well, the only thing he maybe could have done different is when Kubiak came up to him at eighteen, mm-hmm. but he's a kid. I mean, you know, he, yes, he's an adult. If maybe he had just said, "Nah, man, I, I'm I can't I just walk away." Maybe, maybe I, I again. I don't. I don't know what would have happened. You know, <laughs> it, I don't know. So Bob, well, yeah. so Bob's dad introduced him to the trooper, and if you remember, um, early on, his dad was involved in stuff, mm-hmm. and so that's where Bob. Yeah, that's where Bob went. Um, you know, he was Bob was seeing money that he had never seen before, right? And so he was drawn to that. You know, and then once he got in, there were times when he he tried to get out. He wanted to get out, but he couldn't because all the other law officials who were working alongside Kubiak, whether they were scared or they were working alongside him, they weren't going to listen to an 18-year-old kid because Bob didn't have anybody to talk to to try to get out of it because they wouldn't listen to him. There wasn't anybody to talk to. So once he got in, he he was stuck. Yeah. You know. It, it It's... Yeah, it's a sad story, um, really. And, and, you know, it's, well, I don't want to get on a soapbox, but I do want to, <laughs> I want to I talk about, um, I mean, you, so I want to talk about, I guess, when you, 
how you uh, obviously you found out about Bob at the at your grandfather's funeral, which you, you mentioned. Um, when did you decide to write the book? And w- was there a you just wanted to learn more, and then you decided this would make a great book, or how did that process kind of play out on on your end? Well, let me think here. Um... Bob is usually the one that reminds me of the timing. He'll tell me it's been eight years, eight years and so many days. He's waiting for this book to come out. I don't have him to remind me of that right now. <laughs> it's been, um, we're in 2023. Eight years ago would have been 13. He was probably around 2000, I found out in 2006, so it was probably about 2008 or 2009 when I decided to do it. Um, and again, he he's he would always he'd like to remind me it's been this long. When's this coming out? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, what made me want to write the book is because everything I read online, I thought, well anybody want to hear about cattle rustling you know is that really happening today you know I'm that family member is this even happening what caught my attention were all the individuals who were tied up in the crimes and then once I started researching and digging more I uncovered more crimes that no one else knew about and so what made me want to write this story is because I wanted to pull out other people Um, I wanted to explain what Bob did but I want to pull them out also. I do want to say this. Um, Bob's ex-wife, the one who pulled him back in to all this, um, she's actually working for a worldwide adoption agency today. Mm-hmm. She's overseeing their finances. And when they were running cons together, she was also overseeing all the cons and getting federal loans and everything with Bob. And she only served minimal time for her and so did the others. So I thought, you know what? We need to pull these people out. We need to do it. So that's why I did it. I wanted to make sure that if anyone's going to tell a story about my family member, I want to make sure they have the facts because I'd read a lot of stuff online that didn't seem to make much sense. So I wanted to get the story out there. I wanted to expose these people. And that's why I did it. Um, But you've had some personal risk slash adversity uh since undertaking that task um uh tell me a little bit about that i know you 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 said your computer was hacked and uh i mean obviously you're going after some people with some power and Mm -hmm. uh they're kind of punching back i don't know if they still are now that the book's out uh, maybe uh hopefully <laughs> uh but t- tell me you know what what kind of uh punchback did you get from, from uh from from undertaking this task well um <laughs> so my computer was hacked into three times uh my work was deleted so I had to rewrite it 
multiple times. In the process, these individuals also loosen the lug nuts on mine and my family members' tires on our vehicles. It wasn't just one vehicle, it was <laughs> several. Um, they wanted in, in the beginning, and one of the individuals that I named in the book at the end, um, he had met with me and he wanted to know who I was and he wanted to write the story with me. He wanted to oversee everything I was doing. And I said, I'm not going to do that. I don't know you. I don't think about you. You're not going to be a part of this. You can do your own thing. Um, it was, I don't know, it was probably a month, couple of weeks or a month after our meeting. That's when the lug nuts started. They were loosened on the babies. And that individual is also tied in. In fact, that individual is one of the people that Bob went to visit the night that he was taken breaking him down when he went home. It was the middle of the week. It was about 2.30 in the morning and he went home. He went home. He knew about the jailbreak. So <laughs> their, their goal was just, you don't write this book to begin with, in essence. Uh, well, they, they, they didn't mind. They wanted someone to write the book, but they they wanted to know what was going to be put in it. And I was questioned very heavily to find out if the individual that I'm exposing, if I was going to put their name in it. Um, right when my book was getting ready to come out, I found some more stuff, some more charges on some of the individuals, and I would have included it in the book. But I was being rushed. I felt rushed to get my book out because they had someone else write their version of the story. They were trying to turn everybody off of it. Um, they didn't want anyone to, they wanted to tell their story and they right. wanted to tell it as a funny fiction. And so I felt like I had to rush to get mine out there. So I couldn't, there were some answers. There were some, I had questions and I had the answers, but I couldn't, I didn't have time to put it in the book. So you know, why P, why their charges, why some of their charges were dropped, what I found. And I couldn't, I couldn't put that in there because I was trying to get my book out. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, um, so. Did, uh, at, since the book has come out, have you been threatened at all since then? Or is it more just a uh, trying to discredit campaign, like discredit? the book or or you know shadow ban it so to speak what what kind of uh after it actually got published what kind of if anything what kind of pushback have you had i haven't really had any threats um i, I really haven't have had them shadowing me um i've been to a few events and i've been followed but nothing is nothing is I say that lightly. I don't want to say it too loud because I don't want them to say, oh, maybe we need to get back on track here. But um, I, I haven't, we haven't gotten any more retaliation or anything such as that from anyone. And I'm thankful. Um, I decided to kind of move on to something else. Um, I'm always going to come back to this though. You know, I had worked with private investigators in the past. Now, I wasn't licensed, <laughs> so everything I did, I did at my own discretion. Um, 
and I kind of learned how to get information, you know, by shadowing these private investigators. So I'm always, because it's family, I'm always going to see if I can keep uncovering and finding something. So I'm not really going away. I'm just, you know, kind of moving on. But I'm always going to come back. I'm always going to come back to it. Have you uh, have you ever uh, thought about trying to sell it as a like a movie? You know, when I first started writing it, someone had approached me, um, and I didn't want to I didn't want to sell it to him because I was afraid that you know I've heard stories and you probably are familiar with them. Someone buys a story and then they put it on a shelf and they don't do anything with it. And what was important to me was to be able to, to get the truth out there, to tell it. I haven't really had any offers. No one's come at me yet. Um, I don't know if they will. Everybody that reads, they say this needs to be made into a movie, but I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what'll happen. Um, I am excited because I'm a finalist in the Page Turner Awards and that's located in the UK. They're, they're, uh, they're judging my book along with many others. And so I don't know, maybe from that, maybe it just gets more exposure. I don't know, you know, but we'll see what happens. I don't know. Yeah, no, that that's uh, obviously other people have told you, but that's as I'm, when I read the, 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 the books that I read, the ones that I continue to read are the ones where I'm visualizing a, a movie. I mean, I even told you I, now the characters change in, in my head because the very first chapter of the book, I'm visualizing this old man. And he was, he was just a couple of years older than me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Oh, yeah. damn it. You know what? I actually, I, uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I have in my mind, if anybody were to try to make a movie out of this, I know who would be, there's two characters I think would play a perfect Bob. I can't remember the guy's name. Have you seen the movie Hell or High Water? Have you seen that movie? It was, they, it, they filmed it here in Texas, but one of the uh, producers, I think, or directors, he, I think he was from UK, the UK. Have you seen that movie? Uh, I'm trying to remember which movie that is. I feel like I have. It was about two bank robbers they were brothers and they were trying to get enough money from the banks who were taken they were going to take their house we're going to take their home and they were trying they were going and they were robbing oh yeah i think I, I, yeah i think i've seen that uh yes jeff bridges chris pine yes 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 okay so god help me I, i'm sorry i cannot remember the guy's name i and, and if you told me i would know the blonde-headed one, the one that got out of prison and helped his brother. Uh, either Chris Pine or Ben Foster. Those were the two brothers. Trying the to blonde-headed, the blonde-headed one. Uh, ben Foster, probably the 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 less handsome one. Oh, they were both adorable. Um, who is related? Uh, is well, wait a minute, I'll tell you. Um, he's married to you. Remember that '70s show, The Lady Donna. The one who played Donna is her husband. Oh, um, I didn't know either one of them was, but I can, I'm on IMDb. I can probably tell you. Now I'm curious. <laughs> okay. Well, that, well, that guy. I'm guessing that Ben played, Foster. 
It might be. It probably is. But they were both adorable. I love both of them. They were yep, cute. That's him. Married to Laura <laughs> Prepon. Yes. He would play a perfect Bob. When Bob you know, that's younger. that's not, based on your description of him, that's not far off from what I was imagining, actually. Mm-hmm. That would be, yeah. Yeah. He's one of them. Um, I, I, no, I, I, I like that. That he matches pretty much what I what I was visualizing with him, kind of blonde, mm-hmm. tall but but slim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's some, that's good well, casting. <laughs> I have some pictures of Bob when he was younger. Our family does, um, and he's standing up tall on a horse on his feet. He's I don't know, probably twenty eight, twenty nine, maybe thirty, um. And he he looks just like him. He looks, you know, just like this Ben Foster character. And I'm like, oh my God, he would be perfect. I don't know. But like I said, nobody has approached us. So I, you know, and they may not. Um, I, I do, if if they do, if anyone does approach me, um, I become very close to the people that were victimized. And so it's important that their stories are told in a respectful way. Um, so, um, Maybe. Yeah, that that would be the only thing that that would be. I've I've talked to uh, to authors before where you know talking about selling the screen and it, it obviously the whole thing gets rewritten as a screenplay. Yeah, which yeah. is completely different. It has to cut out obviously a ton of what's in the book. Of course, yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, you it's always kind of a you One know. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who, I, I, who's who are you trusting it with? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I became very close to the foresters. That's a family that the husband and wife that were held captive in their home. Um. And I consider them family. I love each and every one of them. And um, I think it was a healing for Vincent when we were going through this because he was able to talk about it. We we just we became very close. I mean, I just felt like I'm part of their family. So, um, are are they overall? Are they kind of great? I mean, Bob helped them. I mean, frankly, I I feel like in in the part I've read, it, it, Bob basically is the one who ended this whole hostage situation. You know, he was trying to help them get out. Uh, you know, are are they grateful to him, basically, or is it like, uh, well, you know, we're he was he was the better of the two, but we were still both held hostage. <laughs> you know, or or they they both held us hostage at the same time. You know what I mean? That's kind of, that's one of those questions that's hard to answer because I think that um, imagining your parents being held hostage, and I mean, I have their whole story and I tried to put as much of it as I could in that chapter, the second to last chapter. Um, it was emotional for them. When it was over and they had time to think, I think that they were... Um, I, th- I think that they they viewed Bob, they were they were um, 
I guess I'm not really sure how to answer that. You know, they they were they were very grateful that their parents were able to get out because I do want I I always like to tell everyone this. Um, Irma, she was the wife. She had worked in jail before, and so she knew how to talk to convicts, and she was able to get the attention of Bob. And so somehow that kind of that worked in their favor between her and law enforcement. Once she was able to get Bob on their side to get him out, I think there was a relief. I think there was a relief. Um, I do know um, when I speak to <laughs> some of the family members, um, I tell them just like I'm talking about family. And I don't know if if my family is the only one that does this, but if they do something wrong, we're going to tell them. We're gonna make sure they understand so they learn. You don't do that. You don't treat people that way. Um, been, I've been told to maybe not be as hard on Bob about certain things. Um, I know that probably doesn't answer your question, but I think maybe that's maybe that's the question for them to maybe answer. I don't feel like that would be the right way to answer it. Um, I I know that they were relieved they know that they were relieved when they saw their parents being released um there they probably are um, more angry at gant than they are bob but you have to remember bob is the one that convinced those convicts to break him out of the jail so bob's just as much a part of it as others yeah no it's a it's an it's a weird again you know i i think i don't know it's an interesting thing that uh not you know i i think i say all the time nothing's black and white you know and i i think that's this is a great example of it in well, in, in two ways. One is I, I always I, I always make the argument of, you know, two bad people get together. And I'm not saying Bob's a bad person, but just for the for for quoting myself, my argument is when two bad people get together and one of them ends up dead or, you know, whatever, people always pick a side, it seems. And it's like, well, you can say they were both wrong. You know, you you can say this person was bad and this person was bad. They got together. They both did bad things. This bad person beat this bad person. You don't have to say, you know, I, I in my philosophy, I say this about most wars, most most violent interactions are not all, but some are too not bad, meaning like evil, but too misguided people collide and yes one might be like well this was obviously the right one doesn't mean that they're righteous <laughs> you know it just means they maybe were the more right in this scenario um and i i do think people uh i do think too many people have the black and white thinking almost the team thinking so in in bob's scenario uh, you could say, well, what they did, obviously, we're rooting for, you know, 
them to loot. They broke out of jail. They terrorized these people and, and held hostages and all. We want this guy to lose. What he did was bad. And, and in that scenario was the worst of the two, you know, forces. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't know. I, I don't I, I'm sorry to wax on philosophically, but it's it's it just this hits me from a perspective of it's like there's everything is so much deeper than just the bad guy, good guy discussion. And Bob's a great example of that, where it's like, well, what what was he supposed to do? Yeah, he did. He made things worse by, you know, by the associating himself with Gant, whether or not he knew what what kind of crazy person this guy was. You know, nobody said twisted his arm and said, you have to break out of jail with this guy. It was, you know. So it's a weird, you know, it, it's it's a weird. Uh, I don't know. It, it, fat, it, it I mean, it's the human condition, I guess. I Again, I, I'm sorry. I, I was trying to form that into a question, and instead, I just went on a philosophical <laughs> ramble. <laughs> well, so let me let me just say this. I will say this. Um, it was really difficult for me to write the story because while I was writing it, I was trying to I was trying to uncover more, right? Because it's about family member. This is about my family, and I saw I saw a lot of I saw a lot of good in Bob. We all did because it's our family. And um, yeah, he's done some bad things. We know that. Uh, <laughs> but he has done some right things. And mm -hmm. I wanted to point him out. And it was very, it was very difficult for me because I'm very close to the story and I had to separate myself. And so that's what it made it difficult for me. Um when I was talking to the foresters I got their side and they were emotional and it was very emotional for all of us um what I took away from it was that they wanted to know how Bob was doing in fact uh if, in the very end and I don't want to give anything away but I I feel like I do need to say this at the very end um after the shootout and everything I'm not going to tell you what Irma did, but I will tell you what Vincent did. They carried Bob out under a tree of the big house. And Vincent wanted to go over and he wanted to thank Bob for releasing him. I get emotional. Uh, anytime has to do with that family, you know, obviously, because um, it was it's just, it's emotional. It's emotional for all my family. Um, but they, they, uh, they were affected so much. There's so many emotions there for them, you know, uh, they've healed, they've gone on and they've healed. Um, when, uh, Arma and Vincent have passed, they've since passed. Um, but Bob had wanted to write to Irma. He wanted to write to her and, and. To her and I said, Well, you need to, you need to write her a letter because he knew I was talking. I was interviewing you. You need to write her a letter and you need to ask her if it's okay to write. You don't just randomly write somebody because they were victims and you don't need to be invading their lives. You already invaded their home. So he wrote a letter. Yeah. 
he wrote a letter. <laughs> I proved it. I said, that's fine. And go ahead and send it. And he did. And he waited. And they were on vacation. God bless them. They were, they were on vacation. When they came back, he kept saying, well, they're not going to respond. I said, well, and that's okay if they don't. They don't have to respond to you. They probably don't want to hear from you. I know I don't. Well, so when they finally got a response from him, or when he finally got a response from them, she she corresponded with them and they and they talked. And so I think it was all just healing for them. You know, I think um they heard the story about what had happened to Bob, how he ended up in jail, and all the people that um he got involved with and the reason I don't know if they knew why he broke out I don't know if he went into all that detail but they they knew and Irma had made the comment to me in one of the interviews that I did with her uh, I did a phone interview because she passed away I didn't get to meet her in person but I did do a phone interview with her and but Vincent and the rest of the family I didn't meet in person but Irma had told me she said I told her, I said, I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. She said, you know, he made bad decisions. I don't think he really knew how to, I don't, I don't think he knew what direction to go. So I understand what you're saying. And I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't want it to sound like I'm dismissing what he did. Um, he just got tangled up in something that he couldn't get out of. And he yeah. didn't know how to make the right decisions. I know that may sound crazy, and I'm not trying to defend it. But I just, if you hear the story, you'll understand that. You read the story, you understand. He just couldn't, no matter what decision he made, they were all bad. Um, yeah. He didn't know what direction to go. And I think that is what I took away from the foresters, at least from Irma and Vincent. Um, I, you know, yeah, no, no, that that's that's exactly. Um, I mean, I don't mean to ramble on about it, but it's real, there's really no way to describe it other than if you if you read it and you understand it and you just see it's almost like he 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 didn't know what to do, and so his, his solution was to break out and go after these people who were involved in the crimes with him. And they weren't home, and then that's when he made another bad decision, really bad decision, with all these convicts, fugitives. Yeah, it, it's... Yeah, and and I, weird, weird comparison. Probably off the reservation. Unless you... Have you watched the show Breaking Bad? Yes. I yes, almost I feel like show. there's yeah. a Jesse Pinkman aspect to it where it's like <laughs> you can't, there isn't, uh, you know, there's not a roadmap out of this. It's all, it's just, you can try all you want. You're, you know, to. You're doomed. He's doomed. Yeah. Well, and that was, that, <laughs> that, that was kind of the, the reason he's so, such a sympathetic character in that show is. It's like this poor guy, he can't, he can't, he wants to do good, but there's no roadmap to it. It's just, you're, you're fucked no matter where you go. 
it's it's just you know choose choose the 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 least bad i get you know so so that's kind of i don't know that that was kind of the the thought that was in my head it's like you know doesn't mean that he that the person's a saint but it's also like well once you know whether it's your own choosing or not once you're in it getting out of it is not really an option i unfortunately and that that's what sucks about i you know yeah i was going to say the 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 justice system but it's not even that it's just the world in general it's just once you're in that position whether you know and again i i think he kind of really didn't have much say so in getting in that position in the first place but whether or not you do whether you make a bad decision and end up in that position or you just end up in that position because you're a kid who doesn't you know isn't raised the right way slash gets caught up in it at a young age where you don't really have a choice it sucks that it's like once you're there doesn't matter how you got there you can't get out um one thing about it he wasn't gonna go down without a fight he wasn't gonna say okay that's it um (laughs) when i was researching the book so bob is a compulsive liar i don't know if you recall reading that in the beginning of the book he was he's a compulsive liar he was he was uh diagnosed when he was young um and so when he tells you something you don't really know what you're getting I mean, it's mixed in truth and lies. And, and he's at a point where he, he honestly can't help it because he's been doing it for so long. There were things he didn't want to tell me. And the things that he didn't tell me, I triple checked. Everything is very accurate in the book. But I would go in to see him in the prison and I'd learned something. And I know I always saw this look of relief on his face when the visit was over because it was like, okay, she didn't know this. But when I found something out, I'd go in and boy, I mean, he, God bless him. I mean, he just, I don't know what he thought. I have good feeling, though. He didn't say it. (laughs) But there was one instance in the book where he had hogtied some hunters. They were young kids. He hogtied them, put them in the back of the truck. And when I found that out, I got in there. I got into that prison early. I think I was there at 8 o'clock that morning, 8.30. And I sat down. They brought him out. And he could see on my face I was going to say something to him. And he kind of got slower as he got to, you know, where he was going to sit down. And I said, you hogtied him? And I mean, he just, he was like, you know, he didn't have an explanation because he's talking to a family member that he didn't want to tell everything to, right? He didn't want me to know that. I put it in the book. It's kind of like, I think think his decisions that he made, he just made them on impulse. He was just doing something to get out of one situation. And it was just a quick decision, you know? Um, Yeah. That's the world. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, it, it's it's a hell of a story, and I would recommend uh, any anybody who I was going to say anyone who reads, but even if you don't read, 
Well, I, I guess you need to know how to read, or the book's not going to make a lot of sense if you don't know. <laughs> if you're illiterate, but if you, <laughs> you're even a casual reader like myself, um, you know, the, uh, the, the notorious Texas swindler, the mastermind behind the Grayson County Five, um, and I'll link everything, uh, ways to get that in the, in the show notes. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to finish the book. Um, and, and luckily this conversation didn't really spoil anything. Uh, that was, I was very, you know, very concerned about that. I, I was more concerned about spoiling, uh, my enjoyment of the rest of the reading as opposed to the podcast (laughs) (laughs) there's so many you know what I told my editor when I first took this on I said I want every chapter if it's possible for it to be a cliffhanger and there is there's so much stuff that happened in his life that it was possible to make that happen so it worked out (laughs) yeah you know you can tell a little bit but you're not going to get everything covered in you know what amount of time so you're not going to spoil it i promise (laughs) (laughs) uh aside from that uh pepper where can uh uh, people uh find you follow you um except for you know texas law enforcement we don't need that but (laughs) where can my (laughs) listeners uh uh find you uh your website all that stuff well, you can actually, my website is a perfect place. It's pepperannauthor.com. Um, you can, you can go onto my website and my assistant, Laura and I are constantly working on it and adding new stuff. And um, on, on the homepage, uh, I'm on all the socials, uh, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything. Um, you can click at the bottom of the page and follow and see what's new what's going on I'm I'm out there (laughs) and I try you know what I do receive messages I have a newsletter you're more than welcome to sign up and receive it I think it goes out twice a month um but you know um I try to respond to those emails I do get quite a bit of emails from people I try to respond as quickly as I can so if you email me and I don't respond right away just be patient with me (laughs) That's yeah. That goes for me too, by the way. I yeah. <laughs> hey, people. You know, we're we're busy artists. That's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're trying to put more material out there for you to, you know, see and read and hear. Yeah, listen to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I've got the excuse I'm drunk half the time and I don't respond to emails when I'm drunk. So, <laughs> you know, I'm just keeping it. You know, keeping it professional. That's a good idea. Yeah. Don't do it when you're drunk. Do it when you're sober. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, you know, so I've got limited windows of response. <laughs> <laughs> I've got working hours. <laughs> it's okay. That's okay. You've got to be honest and you are. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Too too much so at times. Uh <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on uh the podcast. Um yeah and thank you for writing this book um you know this is great uh you know yeah i'm i'm excited to 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 read the rest of the book uh so i i don't i don't want to ask any more questions (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I hope you enjoy it. And you know what? If you're when when you're done, if you feel you know um, led to it, you can leave me a review if you hate it or like it. I always want to hear people's input on things, so I'd love it if you or anyone else, if they read it, want to um, give me their input. I appreciate it. Yeah, and oh. thank you, thank you for having me on the show. I've had so much fun today. Yeah, it's been been a blast. <laughs> yeah, we've we've laughed, we've we've almost cried, we've had a great time. <laughs> yeah, we've done it all. <laughs> uh thank you again so much for coming on. Thanks. That's it. That's all. Hope you had a ball. Thank you so much, Pepper, for coming on. This was a informative and very interesting podcast i i had a delightful time meeting and speaking with pepper and i hope you had a delightful time listening uh so i'm gonna keep it brief again make sure you buy uh pepper's book the notorious texas swindler um please check out and subscribe to the youtube channel for myself and if you're on any of the socials twitter instagram facebook Give me a follow and a like when you see my shoot. All right. Boom. It's over. Thanks for listening. It was amazing. <laughs> I I loved it. Be sure to come back for another great episode. I'm one wing away from Jeff Macalino. Of the Jeff Macalino Podcast. How much time did you spend on thinking of the name of your podcast? You want to just straight, that's my name. I'll add the word podcast to it. Yup. See you next week. Mm-hmm.